Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training, accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. In this episode, Eric will discuss the attraction to hallucinogens and psychedelics as well as their potential advantages and dangers. Then, he'll cover drug addiction, including opioids, methamphetamines, and even alcohol abuse. Enjoy. Okay, hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rebel Guru Radio. Uh, I have Maribai, my lovely assistant, who's always in the background, you know, bringing paperwork, doing different stuff. So uh, I was like, okay, you're going on this time, so go do whatever you got to do to get ready. So she's like, all right, let's do it. Say hello to everybody. Hi. Hi. So um, today's topic is going to be on hallucinogens. Is that what we're we're doing? Yeah. Okay. And do we have questions? Do we have a point we want to start? I mean, uh, isn't everybody curious whether or not I smoke grass or not? And who knows what and yada, yada, yada. Uh, well, we have some announcements on the show. Oh, announcements. Uh, can't you do the announcement? People want to hear what you say. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> so, uh, like and subscribe to get notified for future episodes. Um, if you have questions that you want to submit, go to rebelgururadio.com, and there's a submission form if you scroll down just a little bit. Um, we do have some exclusive offers. Uh, we have the in-between module and hyper travel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the bundle is 66 uh, or two payments of 33. How do you know that? Okay, so it's right there. Oh, yeah. That's how you I know that. I also made the page. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, you made yeah. the page. Is that it? Is there another page underneath there? Um, so you can go to rebelgururadio.com forward slash in between. It'll also be in the description and the chat box. Brianna, do your job. <laughs> um, we also have Handbook of the Navigator. It's an audiobook now. You can get it on Audible. Um, you can go to navigatorhandbook.com. we got a link there, or just look it up on Audible. Um, yeah. All right. So we're doing in-between. In-between's good stuff. You know, what a topic to uh, offer that and then be like, oh, and have some hallucinogens with it. I mean, you don't need anything if you go in-between. It's pretty much yeah. like you are on hallucinogens yeah. without being on hallucinogens. It's, the, nat- it's the natural way. <laughs> yeah. Hyper-travel, excellent. I don't see. I don't get to see this stuff until, well, like, to the last minute, or at least I don't pay attention to it. I did send it. So these are very good. These are good. All right. What do we got? Um, so our first question is, why do you think spiritual seekers gravitate towards hallucinogens or psychedelics? Is it instant gratification? Or- no. Um, it, it is because we desperately are designed to dial into the metaphysical, the paranormal, the, 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 the layer that's kind of in reality that's just beyond what we'll call standard reality. And I always say that, that most people are looking for this kind of knowledge. I certainly was. And when you can't find someone like myself, if I can say that, to, to teach you or to show you things, then what is more readily available, which is basically various forms of drugs, becomes very appealing. And the moment that when a white cell experiences uh, an altered sense of reality or something that 
amplifies her consciousness or shows him some pretty interesting things that are beyond the everyday normal facet. There is this, this thing in us that gravitates to it immensely. And that's why we, we and I'll, I'll say it, white cells love drugs. There's no question about it. We, you know, you may say not or be, you know, whatever, but if you try them, you're going to find like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like there are people who can try substances once or twice and never have the desire to do them again, True. whereas others become dependent on them. Absolutely. Why, why do you think that is, and is there a difference between those people? Well, look, I don't. I'm. I just want to be clear about this. I do not consider myself an expert in this arena. Okay, I'm an expert when it comes to spirituality, psychic stuff, call it whatever you want. But when we're talking about this. I can only base it on my personal experiences and my thoughts on it. So just so we're, we're clear. Uh, the question again was, was why would some people get in it? Okay, look, as, as far as I'm concerned, there are people who have addictive personalities. Uh, I think that, that anybody is susceptible to addiction. I don't care who you are. And I think that some people are more prone to not have a level of self-discipline where other people have a higher level of self-discipline. And, and this is just one, one answer out of probably several. It's, it's to say that, like, look, I, I like food. I, I'm sure you didn't know that, but hey, okay, yes, you knew that. And, you know, it's like, is, is there a lot of discipline and self-control when it comes to eating. Not as much as I would like, okay? Uh, I think the same goes for using any form of drug. And everybody goes in with good intentions, but it's usually not always the case. You see yourself getting sucked in and they don't have the ability to possibly recognize that it's becoming a greater problem for them and then it starts to consume them and it becomes a pattern. And so, therefore, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I think some people can, can recognize it and put themselves into a very disciplined system of how they're going to, to utilize it. And I think other people start, uh, starts off maybe like that, but they start etching away at the expansion of daily use, regular use, and frequency becomes more increased and becomes a, a standard way of, of life. And then it becomes addictive. And addiction doesn't have to be chemical. It doesn't have to be something that is uh, a biochemical, like, like say heroin or something, okay? It, the addiction usually for white cells is to stimulation. It is to, to experiencing something outside of their body, which we already really don't feel 100% like we fit into this world. So anything that, that pushes on that fringe line is very attractive to us, very intriguing to us, and it can consume you with, if you're not careful. Uh, to kind of follow up to that, do you have any advice for people who are suffering from addiction and trying to kind of separate themselves from that? Well, look, um, Every single situation is different. It depends on what the addiction is. If it's alcohol, look, the best thing out there is AA, period, hands down. Anybody who thinks that AA is old school or, or just not up to, to current times is just being ridiculous. AA is a excellent program. I highly recommend it. Uh, it will change your life if you work with it. The support group for it is phenomenal. It's global. Anywhere you go, you pretty much can find a meeting almost at any given time. And I would say that I 100% endorse AA for uh, alcohols. The same goes for people who have other forms of drug addictions that is outside of AA, and I believe that's NA. And that is basically a very similar concept for that. Um, is there a simple solution? Nope. Look. I think for, for, for white cells that if you become addicted, it goes right back to what I've said before. It's, it's, I, I mean, if I'm going to simplify what my truest thoughts are, I think people are just simply bored. I think they're bored and life does not feel very stimulating or very satisfying. It feels very mundane, very day-to-day. -day. There's a part of us that's constantly seeking for something more. 
and it is a form of stimuli. It's a form of excitement. It's a form of something different going on. And that's what makes it very attractive for white cells. And so therefore, you, you, if you are addicted to it, the first thing you have to want is to not want to do it. If you're not at that stage, it ain't going to happen. Two is I find that with most drug use, if you use it enough, you start to build up a social structure of other people that are utilizing the same thing. And that becomes the go-to or support group is basically other users. So therefore, whenever you quit or whatever you want to stop, your whole social life now that you've built around you, unconsciously perhaps, unwittingly, is the people who are going to be like, oh, come on one more time, or let's just do this one more time. And so it erodes whatever chance you have at, at success. So my feeling is if you have an addiction, the first thing you need to do is to look at your social structure and your support group and anybody that also uses, despite what they may tell you, you need to, to find a completely sober group of people. And in so doing, that's the first step in the right direction so that you can kind of think clearly and make better decisions. Um, do you think it's kind of like a pattern thing too? I, I think it goes on and on and on. I think it can be, listen, there's biological issues, neurological, if you will. There's sociological. There is just habitual in nature. I mean, there, there's no way to sum up a form of drug addiction or even if it isn't, it may not even be an addiction level. It may be a recreational use that's starting to become an addiction because it's becoming too frequent. And so they lose the ability to realize this is becoming a problem. And by the time they realize it's a problem, they have no social structure really that they, they feel comfortable with or a pattern of life habits or, or whatnot to really find a way to escape that or experience what it is to be away from that. Okay. Um, our next question is, why do you think marijuana has such an overwhelmingly positive reputation? An overwhelmingly po That's a matter of opinion. I don't know. Who, who said that? Well, it seems to so, be on, like, you know, billboards and magazines. Well, and I think there's a strong like push. A let's let's, let's just cure. crush this yeah. the, the whole marijuana thing. Let me yeah. shock everybody, okay? Let me just say what I have to say about it, okay? I have said in the past, on record, okay that my position on marijuana was that it saps the will to win, okay? Meaning that once you start to use pot, um, and evidently that's the old school word for it, um, it, it tends to make you indifferent or complacent, probably more complacent, which isn't really all bad. My position is that First of all, I love pot. Don't let's just get that out there. I have always said that. Me and pot, we get along real good, okay? Too good, okay? So, having said that, I can reference my life and the people that were in my life that I've looked, you know, 20, 30 years of their life and say what's going on, okay? For me when I was younger, I was smoking a lot of grass, okay? And it went from a ramp-up period of being introduced to me to more and more use to building up that social structure to what everybody in my life was a user and everybody else who may not have been using it. You, you lose track of these people. I found that my psychic ability, my sensory, my sharp wit, my, my intellect, everything was becoming duller not as sharp. More so, I really was complacent about things that were very important to me, whether it was actively pursuing a, a better quality of life or finances or work or whatever, um, I found that I was just okay with things. Having said that, that's a very scary thing. And I fell into the arena of really just letting it carry me away too much. I also had a lot of stress at that point in my life. And I found that when you smoke grass, your stress diminishes, okay? You tend to be more relaxed, more laid back, etc., so on and so forth. But it affected me psychically. It affected me uh, uh, in the sense of my progress and development in my life as to what I wanted to achieve. And I lost sight of the responsibility of 
of when is a good time to smoke and when when not. I mean, I literally would, would get high while I was driving, while I had to go to the movie, got to get high for that, ready to eat, got to get high for that. Everything became consumed around a lifestyle of basically being high. And that was a lot of pot, a lot of expense, a lot of smoking. And at some point, I realized that it was a problem for me and I needed to take a break or at least stop. And so that was a, a point for me. And I found it incredibly hard because all of my friends were all smokers also. So whenever I wanted to go to the movies, let's say, or do something with them, go to the park or for a hike, you'd get together. And then all of a sudden there's the doobies being rolled out. I guess that's an old word now. Uh, you know, we, you know, everybody's getting high and, you know, and then the pressure's on you because they're like, oh, come on, you know, get high. Let's, let's do it. Da, 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 one more time. And then you fall right back to square one. This is why I say you got to escape that, that social circle if it's a problem for you. Uh, as I grew a little bit older, I, I had gotten high from time to time and I found there was a period in my life, maybe for a year, where I was getting high, but not like anything like before. Uh, I was getting high randomly here and there and it's, it's great as long as it's controlled and it was, it was actually a, a good experience in that sense because I wasn't doing it most of the time. I'd be doing it maybe once every couple days. Okay, so if you look at alcohol and you look at marijuana, I for the life of me cannot understand why alcohol would be more acceptable in society than getting high with marijuana. Because if you look at the two differences, the biggest problem is with, well, there's multiple problems with alcohol, but, and, and same thing goes with pop, but I, I never see people that are highly aggressive that are high. Usually they're more, hey, take it easy, you know, yada, yada, yada rather than somebody stumbling on you, spilling their drink on you, and then, you know, going aggressive if they feel like that. Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, I, I think that um, also what a lot of people don't realize is that when you do smoke pot, you build up an immunity system to it. So after you've done enough of it, I don't care how good it is, you usually can only stay high for about 15 to 30 minutes, and it starts tapering right off again. So with alcohol, it just keeps getting more and more and more intense. With, with pot, if you smoke too much of it, you get really stoned, you're just going to shut down. You're just going to be like, I don't like this feeling. It's like drinking too much. You just, you just wish you could get it out of your body. Same thing with pot. Uh, but it's just different. It's, 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 to me, it's a much better choice than, than alcohol. But it is also, like alcohol, going to make it so that you make probably decisions that you you would not have made or choices had you been sober. So it does open up uh, a little bit of uh, uh, a lack of discernment on some decisions, maybe not all. And some people are better with it, with, with their mental clarity than others. Everybody's a little bit different, you know, I'm assuming biochemically how it affects them. Yeah. That's uh, one question on here. Mm -hmm. uh, like some people say, you know, pot makes them more creative or more mm -hmm. like productive mm -hmm. and like, what do you think of that? Is that like, a, a, but depending on the person or I, I wouldn't um, say that for myself, it makes yeah. me really lazy. But. <laughs> well, yeah, for me too. Um, I, I think that there are some people who can use it and, and they can thrive in their, their, their career, their work and everything. I think that that's probably a very small percent of people biochemically how it affects them. Mm -hmm. I think the majority of people, it just makes you very lethargic and just want to lay around and just kind of chill. So I, I think it's biochemically and uh, how, how they process it in their own body. Not to mention, I think if you smoke a lot of it, it goes right back to that immunity level. Yeah. I think your immunity gets stronger. And I also can tell you that, excuse me, when I started smoking grass at one point in my life, I mean, it was really kind of hard not to be, to be functional. You know, it was, it was difficult to, to be functional. As you use it enough, you really learn the mental discipline of self-control. It's almost like you, most people wouldn't know you're high. So what happens is, is that your immunity is a little bit stronger, your self-control has increased, you're still high, 
but you've learned to have a higher level of management when it comes to the exterior of dealing with people in the world. And in that case, you know, maybe they can function a little bit better. Okay. Um, uh, someone's asking, do you, do you think coffee and sugar are as addictive as alcohol and drugs? No. <laughs> I think they're addictive, but... Uh, you know, I guess it's it's who you ask. Yeah. You know, um, I think they're they're all addictive. But I mean, I I guess I can't relate to that. I mean, I drink sometimes a half a cup of coffee in a day, and other times I drink three four cups a day. Uh, sugar, I really don't really utilize sugar when when possible. So it's not something I would utilize on a normal day to day level. So I have a hard time relating to it. Do I like sugar? Who doesn't? You know. Yeah. But I think that it does not have the same power that um these these things have because i don't see sugar or or caffeine altering your your psychological state for for extended amount of times and that's kind of what i'm we're driving at here yeah that makes sense okay can move on to um you might have already covered this but uh, as a spiritual teacher what's going through your mind when you encounter someone who's kind of heavily involved in the pot scene <laughs> um l- l- look okay um first of all let me let me come clean on something okay over the the probably last month um i have been getting high okay it sounds like such a, a dirty <laughs> word now but i i can't you know i don't want to lie or, or or put something out there that that is misleading for people um, you know, I've been working on another project, which is Skinwalker, which has been ex- incredibly stressful. And normally, you know, meditation, all that stuff is, is great, but this has been an extreme level. For those of you guys who know, will understand, and I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, okay? But, uh, you know, it comes about 9 p.m., get high, 10 or 11, you know, uh, 12, you know, cook. <sighs> Concrete out like a ton of bricks, deep sleep, great, okay? Um, will I continue to to smoke grass is really the real question, and probably until I think it's a problem for me, okay? Um, will I smoke during the day? If it was a weekend, maybe, okay? During the week, absolutely not. Um, you know, I've got work to do, I've got things to do. I'm older, I'm more mature than decades ago than when I was younger. Uh, my approach is to look at it differently. Now, it may win the war. I might end up as the, the pothead guru next. Who knows? You know, check, checking in another month or so. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't want to tell people that I do not get high because as of the last month, yeah, and I told you, I love marijuana. Okay, always have. Never, never denied that. Okay, but... It can scare the shit out of me that it doesn't consume my life. So recreationally, uh, I think it's fine. Okay, in California, it's legal now. It's not a, not an issue. Uh, I see it coming up more and more. I've had various um, visitors who have stayed, we'll call it family members, who in a million years never used. And during a conversation, I find out now they're curious, they're using, they're wanting, you know, some insight or advice because they're older and they've never used it. And now because it's legal, it's just, I think it's just going to become as commonplace as, as alcohol. And it's going to come down to some people can drink alcohol very casually and other people can't. They become alcoholics. And I think that's going to be the discerning thing to look at is how often, how frequently, call it whatever you want. Okay. Do I think that pot can give you a better spiritual experience? Uh, It's a yes and no. I think that if you smoke too much of it, you're going to be out of the loop. I think if it's a certain amount, it allows you to surrender and to relax. And if you can mentally stay focused because you didn't do a lot of it, then your spiritual experiences probably will, will be uh, a lot higher. I can tell you there's no question. If you do HBI techniques and you are not sedated, okay, with, with poppy and high, but you have a certain amount, you are going to probably dial in more so than if you were really disciplined from, from practice a lot. You're going to have probably some very intense experiences. So kind of on another tangent, um, a lot of people say that after they quit using marijuana, uh, they have more vivid dreams. 
Um, I, I believe that. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if, if I don't really dream that much, but I would say that if you're, if you're high, you're probably still dreaming. It's just, you're such in a deeper state and the memory call level is much lower. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, there you go. If you want dreams, I would probably say, you know, yeah, but uh, God, you know, this topic is so vastly big. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, there's no real simple answer. That's like a yes or no for any of that. I mean, you could be high laying back and you literally are mentally in a dream because your, your fantasy mind is just going a mile a minute, you know? So you may go to bed and have a dream, you know, that you don't remember, but on the same token, I think if you're high, you can kind of have an, a conscious dream in a different way. You, you know? think it kind of depends on the person? I, I think everything depends on the person. I think biologically, biochemically, everybody's a little different. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I can tell you that uh, from what I've seen, guys like pot better than girls. It's not to say that girls don't like it. It's to say that my observation is is that women tend to be more disciplined with it than the guys. For whatever reason, they're able to go like, no, no, don't want to get high today or tomorrow. No, 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 I can't do that. I got to be responsible. Where I find the guys are like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll go get high. And so I, I think that in some ways that um, maybe because, you know, women have the absolute responsibility of raising children and that that probably makes them better uh judges of what is good to do or when not to do something or when you have to be responsible or not. So where I think guys are just like, yeah, fuck it, I'm in. You know? Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, I I think that there are a lot of HBI women that will probably, you know, um, eh, well, it's hard to say, you know, the more I think about it. But yeah, but I, I do think that that's true. I think they have better self-discipline in that arena. Okay, um, moving on to LSD, there's a lot of talk among like Silicon Valley yeah. CEOs, microdosing. Yeah. Um, do you think that's valid or a good like, long term? I've never done microdosing. In, in my day, we did acid, you know, bladder acid, little tiny squares of it. Um, I've done a fair amount when I was younger. Um, uh, did I like it? Yes and no. Uh, was it injury? Yeah, I mean, anything that occupies your mind from a mundane world is going to be attractive. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be different, okay? But that, too, gets dull over time. Do you understand? So, so therefore, you know, my thing is, is that I want genuine experiences. I don't want something that's easily predictable intellectually for me. And I find that whenever I do hallucinogenics, the the visuals are great, but when I look at what did I get out of it, one, the vast majority of your experiences you can't remember. They seem logical when you're on LSD, but when you're sober, less logical, okay? Uh, your retention on average when you're when you come out of it, it's probably in my opinion about ten to, to twenty, maybe thirty percent at best. So all the the oh my god, I had a conversation with God. It's it's out the door. It's like what did you talk about? Well, I don't quite remember anymore, but it was fascinating. Uh, so in in essence, you know, yeah. Do I think microdosing can be beneficial? Yes, I have to say I think it could be. Uh, if you can remove, this is the problem with most hallucinogenics. If you can remove the overwhelming power that they kind of dominate on your mind, you know, for an experience and bring it down to a controlled, minute level where you're being affected, but it's, it's just an elevated level that you can still highly function and integrate with society. Uh, I think it could be a lot of advantages. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There was a, a video I was watching. Um, I don't want to name the entrepreneur, but he mm-hmm. said he, he microdoses every day. Yeah. Before he goes to his work, he does yeah. like um, uh, robot technology or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he said like it helps him solve more complex problems yeah. Yeah. and better. Yeah. Yeah. He feels better connected with people. Well, one, I'm pretty sure LSD is still illegal, so you know I don't want to yeah, like promote illegal. it yeah. in that sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other question is, is with microdosing. My curiosity would be, I mean, how does that measure it out to to what is considered, you know, microdosing? If I was to consider a 
uh, a bladder acid piece, which is a little tiny, like minute square. Yes, see, I've done it. Uh, you know, what does that mean? You eat one quarter of it per day, you know? Um, you know, it's it's hard to say. And here's the thing, when you make bladder acid, who knows if they even do in bladder acid? They feel so antique now, you know? Who knows what they got? Probably blow it in the air, you, you know? Uh, but they spray it with a, you know, it's a liquid, and you they spray the, 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 the bladder uh, paper. It's just a sheet of paper with little squares, kind of cardboardish, but not quite there, more like paper. But... And it, it, that's how they distribute the quantity. So if you were to do extra or if you were to have a heavy drip on there, is your microdose like doing a full hit then? You know, I don't know. This is just yeah, crazy no, talk. No, Let's no, just no. keep it simple. Do I think microdosing can be beneficial? Yes, I absolutely think it can. Wouldn't you kind of build a resistance to it though? If you uh, with, with the, the, I don't think you can build a resistance to LSD. I think that you can learn to manage yourself in a way that you you have a better control over experience of doing it, and therefore um, you adapt to it. Okay. Yeah. Like I doubt anybody would know somebody was microdosing unless they no. they knew that they were microdosing. So you're like really looking for it. Yeah. Uh, along those lines, there's a, um, I guess a, um, a professor that's doing tests with um, treating people who have depression or they're taking antidepressants, they want to get off of it with microdosing. There's, mm -hmm. He's saying that it has like a lot of good results. Um, like they're saying like most of the people... It, it, it could be placebo effect. I, I don't be. know. I haven't read the research. Right, um, right. Do I think that it could be beneficial? Sure. Why, why not? You yeah. know, um, you know, I know that when I've done... LSD, and I have to think way back now, okay? Mm. I don't remember being ever depressed or fearful, okay? I remember being incredibly intrigued, looking at my hand and seeing the, the micro level of it, you know, looking at my face in the mirror, uh, going outside, you know, and, and looking at this tree, it was fall, and then, you know, everything looks a little bit more illuminated, but it wasn't terribly exciting for me because... I see energy, I see auras, I see phenomena. Mm. So I, I kind of understood what I was seeing and the amplification of that to a certain degree and in and, and, and other ways it took away from it. Um, but I think you can have a bad trip if you do too much and it's awful. Okay, I've never had a bad trip. I've, you know, mentally can kind of check myself. But it does happen. And that's yeah. too much is no good of anything. I've had a bad trip before. Well, there, there <laughs> you go. Not on LSD, but... Yeah. You know, let, let um, me try to so. explain to the non-user. If you if you have ever drank too much alcohol and you just wish you would not be drunk and you're puking your guts out in the toilet, which I've done, uh, it is like that, but different and equally worse because now when you're drunk, you're just kind of like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Here, it's like, your thoughts, your fears, everything can be compounded. You know, yeah, you feel like yeah. you're suffocating. You feel like, 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 yeah. you know, there's, it's, it's just, it's just really an awful experience. Um, this is why I would strongly suggest keeping it on the minimal if you're going to, to do anything, you know, and, you know, kind of approach it that way. And you think, uh, is it like, what, if you were to have more mental discipline with that stuff, would you find that that stuff wouldn't happen as, as much or... Yeah, I mean, I I think that if you have good mental discipline, that's a major plus and a big one. Okay, yeah. the other thing is is that you you have to kind of think of, or at least how I think of it is, is that anything that's in your environment or where your mind is wandering, okay, has an amplification effect. It's kind of like a reverb. So if you have something that appears or feels negative, or a person's kind of giving you this shady look, you tend to overbuild it okay and then you start to creep on your own mind mm. so being mindful which is spiritual teachings okay for me i can can kind of see where i'm going with something and just put it in check like okay we need to move on you know or find something more positive or find something in, to intrigue me or i need to just go for a walk or something and i realize what's happening i think an experienced person who uses uh, uh, these kind of hallucinogenics already is at that level. They kind of know what what's that, but sometimes they get fooled too, yeah, and get sucked into it. Okay. Uh, do you think there are any groups of people that like shouldn't 
use hallucinogens or it's like... Well, look, I'm going to share an HBI story that I have never publicly shared before. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Um, always, always, always. It's my fault. I should have shut it off. Oh, oh, now my stomach is making things go nuts here. Let's, let's bring it up. You Okay. All right. We're, we're in business now. Now back to the never told story. We've got plenty of those. Um, I, uh, went out with a group of friends, students, and we went out for some drinks and stuff. And later that night, the adults, the older people, all of us went to our homes and whatever. The younger group, there was three of them, um, evidently decided they weren't going to go home. And, uh, at about probably two or 3 AM, I got a phone call, woke me up and it basically went kind of like this without giving names. Uh, Eric, Eric, you, you've got to come over to blank's house and right away, right away. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? No, no, no. You just need to come. And I'm like, no, no, no. What, why do I need to go? What is going on? And I said, you got to tell me, well, we, we did acid and we're tripping and such and such thinks that they can go through walls and is, is running into walls and we're trying to hold them down. And, you know, one of us is punching this person to try to knock them out. And the story keeps changing a bit. Okay. But uh, uh, it was very extreme. So being who I am, I'm like, okay, fine. I got up. The first thing I did, I drove over to the local gas station, picked up some orange juice because orange juice supposedly helps bring you down if you're, if, you're, if you're tripping on acid. And I'm like, okay. So I went over there and there's blood, there is drama, there is anxiety going on. And, you know, uh, uh, for the most part, I just kind of worked on controlling the thing. And you... you have to be calm, cool, and collective when you're dealing with people tripping. If you get over emotional or they know I'm angry with them or whatever, you know, they're going to amplify that. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to be very careful that I dealt with the person's head wound and kind of assessed the situation and it was a bad situation. I had to stay there pretty much all night and all day till they came down in order to make sure that everything was okay. Now, it turned out the two people that were relatively sane, okay, had only done acid, okay? The other person, I believe, mixed it with a another kind of bladder acid, but com completely something experimental, okay? And I think that that's what pushed them over the top, okay? So it's not fair to say that acid created that situation for for them, but it's hard to say. Long story short, Shit happens, and people make bad choices and bad decisions. And if you're tripping out on something, don't call me. I don't call me. I, I've done my time with helping people with that. Uh, but just to give you an idea of what I would consider a bad trip, a dangerous trip, because this person lived on the third floor and they had sliding glass windows with a balcony, you know, and they're running at these things full force. Okay, so the last thing I needed was. HBI in the news, you know, blah, 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 you know, I was just like, okay, let's get this under control real fast. Um, but I wasn't a happy camper. So. Okay. Um, are there any spiritual traps to be aware of? Spiritual traps? Well, in, in what way? I guess with I regard we, to... Look, I've said before, and I'll we'll keep saying again, it. there is an ocean of dead white cells... And when I mean dead, I don't mean like literally dead, but to some portion, yes. Uh, I think that that various drugs are so appealing to white cells that we consume them too much. We get too excited about it. It's too much of a of a of access to to feeling something, and in that process, I think that they become addicted and they marginalize their life. And in that sense, I think it also destroys a lot of the neural pathways because it's been overused. So psychically or mentally, it's diminished in a lot of ways. So to kind of go off of that, like somebody who's done a lot of hallucinogens in the past, like can they still reach those levels? Uh, I have had people who have come to me who were very concerned about that. I have dealt with people from hardcore meth use to, you know, hallucinogenics, various stuff, ayahuasca, you name it. Uh, I believe all of them I've managed to, to I don't want to say fix, but greatly 
change their lives to where they're living very healthy, normal lives now. But it was with a lot of work with them. And they had to have an interest in HBI as a means to redirect uh, the stimuli that they wanted, okay? So um, the pitfalls are that you, you, you tend to start doing more of the drug than you, you do your spirituality and your socialness with your friends and family and with work. And all of these things start to deteriorate and you're not able to truly recognize that there's a problem. And even if you recognize it, you're dismissive of the seriousness of it because of your, your state all the time. So that's, that's the pitfall. It can ruin you spiritually. It can ruin you psychically. This is where I always say moderation for all things. Look, using hallucinogenics is, is not necessarily bad. Mystics, shamans have been using it for, for thousands of years. Okay? The problem is, is that there's spiritual use and then there's recreational use. And, and the spiritual people use it in a, in a mannerism that it's not a day-to-day thing. It's not something you just regularly do daily or weekly even. Okay. But that's what happens is that the mainstream population finds out about it and then they get excited about it and it becomes this thing where it's just more, 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 you know, and that's where the problem comes in. In spiritualism and mysticism, okay, these things would have been utilized in a way in, in a sense, a spiritual teacher or somebody working with you to just rock your mind open. You get what I'm saying? Whereas now it's you don't have that you 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 have people who are just using it saying let's see what's going to happen or I'm going to go do this or let's beat some drums okay it's completely night and day difference and the power of what it could do is is greatly diminished by by you know the uh, the use of it uh, I you know it's the same thing I feel with with ayahuasca is ayahuasca powerful stuff no question about it. Did I do uh, ayahuasca? Yes, I have. Loved it. Loved doing ayahuasca. I promised myself that I wouldn't do it for at least a year after I did it because I was worried about knowing full well how I would react. I wanted to, to do more ayahuasca literally that day. Uh, every day, I think for almost a year, I thought about doing more. Okay, wanted to do more. Really had to use all my my strength and, and self discipline and all of that stuff to to prevent me from doing that. I constantly had this very interesting pressure in the inside of my skull, like almost in the middle of my head. It felt like a little like pop can, like when you turn a, a baby jar or a glass spaghetti or something. It has this like pop. It felt like that was pressurized and it needed to be popped back out to be smooth. It was very strange. And it was there for almost a whole year. And at some point I was driving my vehicle, ironically near a home, a decade later I would be moved to. Uh, and I literally was going in my head trying to find a way to pop it. And then all of a sudden I did it. And I literally felt it and, and in a way heard it but didn't hear it. And it felt like this relief. The addiction or the desire for, for doing it again was gone. Now, I don't have an answer for that. I'll leave that to the ayahuasca pros, okay? What, what I can say is, is that I think anybody who's a white cell that does ayahuasca, not in every case, but most cases, will want to do it and they will throw themselves in it. And then before you know it, you're going to have fishball eye. Fishbowl eye is you will see people who do ayahuasca and you know they've done too much ayahuasca and they can't stop because they get what I call bubble eye. I don't know if it relaxes the muscles behind the eye and it makes it pop out more or what what is doing it, but I do see a pattern where they their eyes kind of bulge after a while and it just never goes back. It just that's the way it stays. I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you when you know like maybe I shouldn't be listening to this person, you know? Exactly, yeah. Really, it's very good for you. You should really try it. It'll do wonders for you. You might even lose 50 pounds using it. Really, really, really. Um, you know, it's it's look. Uh love ayahuasca, but it it's got its its ups and downs, you know? Um what about like so with ayahuasca, that's that's DMT. Um, a lot of some people will smoke DMT nowadays. Yeah, what, I've you, never smoked DMT. I've always really I would do it. <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, 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 
I have not had an opportunity to smoke it. I, I do know a fair amount about it because I've been, you know, curious as I am with all things. Um, there's pros and cons. I once had a, a student tell me their experience from smoking it the first time, and that really turned me off from really wanting to do it, you know. But I think that's a rare case but of course now in the back of my head i'm like well because i know it now and i'm worried about it what if i what if i do do it then that's gonna happen that's gonna be the one that happens to me you know so now i was like oh what should i do um he he had taken one single hit and laid back and what happens is is you are literally and, and i've never done it so don't hold me to it i can only go by what i trust these people are explaining to me you literally are mentally thrown into a whole nother experience, reality, illusion, call it whatever you want, okay? And it's highly detailed, it's highly visual, it's, it is. He went to an entire another life, had, a, had maybe a family, kids, life, everything was a mundane, flipping life, just day-to-day -day grind, okay? And he literally was there for decades, and this was, what, a couple minutes at, that it lasts? It usually lasts five to ten minutes, yeah. I think. And so when he finally came to, and he, it took him a minute to realize who he was and where he was, and even that, this, you know, he's it's been decades. He almost doesn't remember that he's in the room with these people, and it kind of hits him all. And he's, like, freaking out, grabbing stuff away from them when they want to do it, saying, you don't want to do this. This is the worst experience of my life. Oh, oh, oh. So... Then I, I have other people who, who've utilized it who tell me the most interesting, fascinating things. Okay, they've gone back to the prehistoric age, seen, seen dinosaurs moving around, the details phenomenal, you think you're there, the whole nine yards. Who wouldn't want to experience that? Okay, yeah. you just don't want to experience the negative. Now, maybe he did too big of a hit and got a little too, too aggressive with it. I don't know. I wasn't there, you know. But, um... I think that if if I smoke DMT, my concern is I would get like, fuck, I like this. Do you see what I'm saying? No. Who knows? Guru gigs over. I guess I'm I'm not gonna, you know. <laughs> it's all, uh, you know. I better just load up in my van, van life. I'm gonna be the the spiritual guru, mystical hippie, you know, with the tie dye shirt on, and I'll grow a big fat beard. And hey, <laughs> um, who knows? You know, I know one thing. I. I acknowledge the the power and the influence that hallucinogenics have on me for an appeal. And I think that's the first direction in good self-management is to have a healthy fear and respect for that. The excitement is still there. Okay. Um, Am I shocked you yet, Mark? Yeah. Shocked, yeah, you're really shocked? shocked? All right. You weren't <laughs> expecting these answers, huh? No, I really wasn't. <laughs> Um, I think there's probably a lot of people out there shocked. I'm shocked when I'm saying this, you know. It's, it's like, Sir Eric, does that mean we can come over to your house and maybe we can all get high and hang out? <laughs> sure, why not, you know? Bring snacks. Bring snacks. No, diet snacks, carrots, celery, whatever, you know. Don't don't bring the goods. Um, I, this is, I thought this was an interesting question. Why do you yeah. think, like, these hallucinogens and drugs, like, exist, like, where did they come from? Like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> come on. Come on. That's very naive. That, look, look. It? Hallucinogenics have existed for thousands of years. As soon as human beings ate a mushroom by accident, and all of a sudden they're, they're tripping and they're seeing pink rainbows in the middle of the yeah, night, yeah. you know, glowing. Uh, I mean, there's there's such a variety of stuff, and it's been used by tribal people and, and shamans and mystics and just for, for, for thousands of years, yeah, maybe yeah. more, hundreds of thousands of years. It's so it's not something new. When you look at maybe something like LSD or something, it is manufactured, okay? So not all hallucinogenics are, are naturally occurring, okay? Mm -hmm. And the ones that maybe were now are amplified. Do you see what I'm saying? They're not, like, like pot is not what it was when I was younger. And when I was younger, people now, used yeah. to say it was a lot stronger than when they were younger because they keep hybriding it and making it stronger and stronger. So... You know, I'm, I'm sure that has happened to some degree with hallucinogenics. Yeah. But I think LSD, whatever, to me, um, I think it would be a shame that that we didn't have hallucinogenics. Um, I do think that in some cases it pries the creative mind open. 
I think it makes you see things very differently. I think it, in a lot of ways it makes you more compassionate, more understanding, more uh, more intellectually evolved. But the problem is, is is that 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 cost of you know good management with it. Okay. Mark, Mark well, is shocked. I, more, Look at him. I, I am looking pretty at shocked. Yeah. Well, be be more direct <laughs> yeah. with me. Yeah. I, what I'm I guess what I'm asking is what like. Did did these sub was did the earth did Gaia create these or did the earth create these substances or are they do they come from some other place like well uh, okay if you're asking me or, do mushrooms come from another planet that yeah, are psychedelic like mushrooms uh, I don't know you know I I, I I don't know I have I done mushrooms yeah I didn't you know I wasn't that blown away I mean some people who do mushrooms talk about the booming voice you know which is rare but it's like this voice that talks to you. Uh, you know, other people love it. They have breakthroughs intellectually. Okay. But as I've said, I've never gotten something out of it that I haven't gotten under normal circumstances intellectually or through my spiritual practices. Never. Okay. In some cases, my spiritual practices were more intense, but this makes me think that there's a DMT release valve in our brain because we have DMT in our brain. And I think in some way, some of the techniques with HBI, that's what's happening. It's, it's linking the two. Mm. And it's, it's, it's probably better and stronger and cleaner than what you could do that's manufactured or from somewhere else. But the, the point is, is that, um, do I think it's possible? I do. Uh, I think transporia, meaning that maybe mushrooms with a psychedelic level, it's certainly possible. Could have been something that came from a meteorite and was in the core and it came from some other planet or, or something. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it, it tuck on here. It's the same way I, I feel about octopuses and, and squids or certain species. I, I don't think they're native to Earth. Yeah. So, so I think it's completely possible. But do I know it as a fact? No. Yeah. Well, I think I've read that spores can exist in the space of, or the vacuum of space or something. Yeah, like I, I believe it. I believe stuff. it's certainly possible. I mean, I've heard everything. I've heard that, you know, some people think that it was a form of communication to communicate with another interdimensional species or another species somewhere out in our, our, our galaxy. Mm. I have not had that experience. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, maybe we got about 10 minutes. Maybe we can talk about, um, you know, the in-between and mm -hmm. how that... Uh, you know more about how you can kind of utilize that naturally to, to well have these there, listen being like, that i certainly have experienced it in between hundreds if not thousands of times and i've done my fair share of lsd uh i can tell you that the similarities are are stunning but it depends on how deep you go into to the in-between state but um i can tell you i feel much more in control going in between but there definitely has to be some level of connection because the similarity is just uncanny. Um, you know, from, you know, my, like I says, I, I can tell you, I've taken um, students where I've shifted them pretty deep in between. And we would have all these, um, these mammals from this pond literally circle us while we were talking. We didn't even, weren't even aware that they were doing that. We stopped and we were shocked and they're all, they're all around us. Mm -hmm. Um, we've have birds come right up to us. I've had a, another student, we, you know who this person is, uh, who basically had, we were out in a state park we went to, okay, heavily, heavily shifted. And a giant stag came walking out right up, as close as I am to you right now, okay, but massive, okay, and literally stare him in the eyes. I mean, these things are just unnatural, okay, and it was an amazing experience. Um, you experience reality in a very, very different way, and it certainly makes you question what I'll call base reality. Is it really base reality? You know, is it, or is it because our sensory interpretates it in a certain way, and that becomes our base reality? So if you tweak it up or you tweak it down, if you're there long enough, do you adjust, and that becomes a new norm, okay? So going in between you're going to have experiences that, that I, I'm telling you, it's, it's like LSD. In fact, you can literally, I would say the equivalent of how, how deep I've been in between would be if I used bladder acid. I would go extreme and say 10 hits, okay? Maybe even more, okay? On the norm, probably one hit, you know? Uh, one, one bladder acid of it. Uh, 
but there is a very strong connection between the two and I think that the brain is releasing either the same chemicals or similar ones and what you're doing is you're accessing the, the natural pharmaceutical production level of your, your body which can produce all of these things uh, in a way that you've learned to trigger it to release in your body. The only difference is, is it's incredibly cleaner. You can control the amount of time within reason uh, that you're there so you don't freak out and if you do freak out you can more easily extract out of that state of mind by putting on Madonna yeah Yeah. well anything that grounds your thinking whatever can keep you there long enough it's what I always say you pop out of it eventually but I mean we would see people who always say I don't think there's anything to that and I think it's all fake and whatever I don't know if you guys got any of those calls but when we were releasing between it was a big deal mm -hmm. and then they would call up and they would be like oh my god I can't stop it I can't get out please help me you know uh, you know we'd have to talk them through it and then I was like god what did I do maybe I shouldn't have taught people how to do the in-between yeah. yeah yeah I uh, I was really amazed with it uh, I did it at this uh, Sedona event and um I went the deepest probably I ever did, and yeah. I was in a I was in a group with um, a coach, yeah. and uh, it was I don't know maybe six of us. We yeah. were walking around. We 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 gathered in a circle, and there was a dragonfly that flew in between, yeah. like, in the center of the circle, and it was yeah. just kind of looking around yeah. at all of us, just yeah. like, yeah. watching us. It was just yeah. totally very surreal. intense. I mean, very it doesn't surreal. sound that intense, but when you're in that state yeah, of mind, it's like you can literally see their eye looking at you with your yeah. reflection in their eyes. It's crazy. Yeah. That is in between. Yeah. Uh, that's It's so like LSD. It's it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And to think that you don't you don't need any drugs to experience it. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, it's yeah. great. Yeah, and I, I think <laughs> people, how to do it. people just don't believe it. They're like, look, I've had a I've had a physical body for 50 years. I've never experienced. You think I'd know everything about it? I'm like. Don't know what to tell you. It's it's real. It's true. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, I'm out of questions here. Do we have any from the audience? Uh, let me see if we got any from the audience. Um, this tablet's acting weird. Um, okay. Uh, I thought. Well, yeah, we covered that. I guess. Uh, why do you think orange juice uh, helps? Someone's asking. I, you know, I've heard different stuff. I've heard that orange juice doesn't work, and I've heard orange juice does. Um, you know, there, there. You know, to me, it doesn't. I don't really see the logic how the orange juice actually works, but I wonder sometimes if there's an alkalinity uh, pH is acidic level that changes in your body, and by adding, you know, the orange juice for its acidic value, mm -hmm. somehow maybe helps the process go faster. But I can't say for sure whether it does or not. All I can say is, you know, 30 years ago, yes, I'm getting that old, uh, it was the thing that would be the go-to, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend, a very good friend of mine at that time, who was a hardcore deadhead, who I got all my drugs from. And good stuff. And, you know, he'd go on tour, come back, you know, to the East Coast, and always have something, to, you know, that he brought back, be like, oh, what's this, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I probably, um, you know, learned that from him. And I consider him an authority on all those okay. things. Yeah. <laughs> More so than myself. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, if one has used DMT or other psychedelics, what have they opened their fields up to that needs to be addressed once they are off the drugs? I guess you kind of talked about that. What are the fields? What like what? I guess what are they opening themselves up to that maybe using they, it or not using? If they're using it, um, I, I don't think it's about what you're opening yourself up to. I think it's it's the means of stressing the neural system and the brain consistently, mm. and I think that um, there's a controlled flow where you can walk away with a hundred percent of the information, like most of the teachings we do. And there is the the using a man-made production or non-man-made. And I think that it leaves room for, for it to do damage to the neurosystem if it's, if it's not managed well within reason or if you're using it too much, let's say. Okay, okay. Um, has anyone attempted to reach in between while using hallucinogens? I think you kind of are in an in-between, would you say, if you're using hallucinogens? Um, but it's, it's, out of all the hallucinogens I've used, <coughs> only LSD 
comes close to, very close, almost identical, to the to the similar experience. Okay. Um, ayahuasca and anything else from mushrooms to to peyote, I guess that's old school now. Um, I've never found that that I would rather go in between. It's a much more intense, immersive experience, more more experience, um, phenomenon, undeniable, than than those, you know. And uh, maybe talk about um, the like the control level of in between because well I think you did say it right um, that you're you're in more control kind of and you can remember more of it right right yeah. you're definitely in control but it's it's strange it it's kind of hard to explain I, I do a whole class on it but you you have to let go in your in in this kind of control you have in your own consciousness where where hallucinogenic it forces you to do so this here is you you kind of whittle your way around and you feel your way around in your mind and you kind of learn how to disengage that is how i would explain it when that happens all of a sudden you start to shift and then that shift starts amplifying like the table starts not feeling normal or looking normal everything starts to look very plasticky and that's what happens in lsd everything has this surreal plastic feel in a way and it makes you feel like 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 almost withdrawn like, like wh where do i escape to if everything feels this way or looks this way um it's very similar the only difference is you have a greater control of your 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 mind as long as you 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 almost have to take a back seat and experience but you can kind of tell yourself where you want to go what you want to do where lsa just forces you into it does, does that make more sense yeah yeah but they're very close they're very very similar um, I think we're at about wraps it up. Let's just oh, remind there, people. Is there an internet meltdown now? No. You know what did he say? Did he really say that? Just remind people like to check out the link and stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah, check out uh, the link. What link? Brianna, right? Brianna's gonna post links in the comments. Um, so if you're interested in getting the in between, uh, definitely take a look at that and um, yeah, let us know if you have any questions. Give right. noise. I calls. hope it was helpful. You know, yeah. Like and subscribe. Like yeah, like a good girl. girl. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll start shutting it down here. All right. Goodbye, everybody. A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the foundation meditation system. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now. Order your set and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining 
along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did. Reaching my hand out the window to touch it, I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. it was at that moment I began to awaken, knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing somewhere in between I flew higher balance we think outside of the box a new kind of spirituality a new kind of meditation a revolution in consciousness Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 